Welcome all to the very special edition of the Sleep Pyramid podcast. Why special? Well, because uh, as well as my normal allies on this broadcast in the shape of Howard and Tom, we have a terrific guest join us today, who is Graham, in brackets, Robbo Roberts, who has kindly agreed to be part of this production. And we're delighted to welcome you, Graham. And with Fulham in mind, being our next opponents, let's start by asking you about the game back in the day. I think it's 7th of January 1984, FA Cup third round at Craven Cottage, when you took over in goal from the great Ray Clements, God bless him. And you managed to keep a clean sheet on a shitty day. So I'm not sure your clothes were clean that day uh, for us to gain a replay. And we eventually won yeah we won that replay to progress into the fourth round so graham welcome and um thanks for joining us and give us your memories about that particular fulham game please thanks for the invite steve um my pleasure you know uh yeah the game um i've got to say is probably the worst pitch we've ever played on it when you play at fulham it's always sticky it's always muddy um, I don't know what their pitch is like now, um, but in them days, it was always um, like a mud heap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were, we, we, were, we were under a little bit of pressure going into that game because I think we'd had a few injuries. Um, there was a little, we'd lost a few games, I think, before that. And uh, we went into the game and everybody was saying that Fulham could turn us over. And anyway, we went into it. It was nil-nil. And I remember Ray got hit in the first half and he hurt his shoulder. And then in the second half, he got hit again. And I think he might have dislocated his shoulder or something like that. Anyway, um, Glenn was in the team of the day. And, uh, you know, we looked at each other and Glenn said, go on, you go. And uh, I went in goal. And because I used to have a little practice in goal in training and, you know, people shooting. Yes. I, I, you know, I used to love diving around and having a bit of fun. And uh, so I went in goal, um, saved two free kicks, pushed them around the post. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite enjoyable. And until, gonna, it got that, until it got to that last five minutes. When I was going to ask, I was going to ask if you enjoyed it. I did. I enjoyed until the last five minutes when... I think it was Tony Gale got a free kick just on the edge of the box. And we we had like five in the wall. And then they put three. And I thought, well, I don't know. I haven't got a clue where this is going. Anyway, <laughs> it went through the wall when it was going into the left-hand corner. And I just happened to dive and push it around the post. And with that, I thought, oh, okay, we can get something out of this. And we got the draw and... Like you said earlier, we, we beat them in the replay 3-1. I think we beat them in the replay. I think it was 2-0. And do you know was that you scored? Um, I don't know who scored. You, yeah, you scored and Archie scored 2-0. Oh, wow. wow. So, so, and did you, did my you memory ever, really good. <laughs> did you ever go in goal again? I went in goal for Glasgow Rangers. And I went in goal twice. Chris Woods 
got sent off against Celtic. And I went in for that one. Uh, it was the most famous game ever. If you ever go online or you go on YouTube and you put in 1987, uh, Rangers v Celtic, there's me conducting the singing in goal. <laughs> um, there's me conceding two goals, 2-0 two down at half-time. Uh, Sunes, we went in at half-time and he wasn't a happy man, but he, he was brilliant at half-time. He, he, he just said, look, let's, let's get it all together. We can get back into this. We've got 10 against 10. He said, the problem we've got is you, you must keep the ball in their half because we got Robbo in goal and we, you know, he ain't done too well at the moment. <laughs> anyway, with that, um, we went out and we drew two all. Um, and at the end of the game, the ball came back to me. I've never seen supporters like it. The ground was rocking. And they wow. were singing They were singing all these songs. <laughs> and I was walking around the pitch, waving my arms, conducting them all. And uh, everybody on the pitch was just looking at me thinking, you, what are, they, what are you doing? <laughs> and on the way off, got arrested. By the police. Is that right? Yeah, got arrested by the police, and they the next day I had to go to Govan Police Station with Terry Butcher, Chris Woods, and Macaveni, and uh, we went in. We all got locked up in the jail, one each, <laughs> and uh, they interviewed us and prosecuted us. We had to go to court, and uh, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Honestly, it was unbelievable, and you know, it really dented the happiness of getting back 2-2 with nine. We only had nine men at the end. And huh. Terry Butcher got sent off. And, um, you know, but being in goal, there was one one just be before we scored to make it 2-2. We scored in the 89th minute, I think, 88 minutes, something like that. Um, they broke away. In the, the, uh, Owen Archdeacon crossed this ball, and I was in goal. And I hadn't touched the ball for about 15 minutes. And I was getting bored and I thought, as he's crossed it, I thought, I wonder what Chris Woods would do. And I started running out. And I stopped and I thought, I'm not going to get there. And I just stood still with my arms out wide. And Billy Starks come thundering in. He's headed this ball. And it's gone over my head. And I've gone, please, please hit the crossbar. And it's hit the crossbar and I caught it. Wow. Well, I thought, well, I've got me, at least I've got me, uh, me angles right. Fantastic. <laughs> and we threw it out and we scored from that. We scored mm. from that from that incident. And so two late goals. Two late goals, yeah, we scored, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, but well then done, I, played against, I played in goal against Celtic again at Celtic Park. Chris Woods got injured and I had to go in again. But we lost that game three. We were three one down when I went. Yeah, in. we won't we won't talk about that one, Robbo. Let's talk <laughs> about the draw and the, uh, well, two draws. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Two previous ones, so that's not bad, is it? No, no, good. good. Howard, you got anything for Graham? When um, when Clem arrives in the summer of '81, yeah, I remember thinking at the time that's the that's the, that's the missing link. Yeah, and in fact, I think the '82 side was our best side since the double. I think we just we just missed out on what should have been a huge number of trophies. Yes, we did. Yeah. But how did how did you find Clem when he arrived, getting you organised? Um. That's what Clem was. Clem was an organiser. Um, if he had to make a save, he used to go mental at us. And he was always, <laughs> he was always on our, our, in, in our ears 
I remember I watched the game not long ago on TV and it was Tottenham v Arsenal at Arsenal and Maxi had a cut head and I had a cut and he came out and he was moaning at us because he had to make a save. And, you know, <laughs> but that, that was Ray Clemens for you. You know, he was, he was such an organiser um, and I needed, we, we both needed it because what we became, he made us a bit better defenders. Mm. All of us, the whole back four. Absolutely. Because I think we went, was it 1,000 odd minutes without conceding a goal? I think it was about 10 games, I think, nine games, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, you know, that was down, not just to him, no. that was down because we listened and we worked hard in training and, you know, and but having Clem there, you're right, I think it was the missing link. And we should have, that season, gone on to... We, we should have won two trophies, minimum. Yep. It was perfect, really, Clem being like a sweeper yeah. Yeah. keeper because we had a very good offside working at the time, didn't we? Very good. Very we had a good. terrific understanding. And what, what Clem did was he, it was very easy to play in the Tottenham team, Howard, and stand back and admire Glenn and Aussie and Ricky and Mickey and your, your eyes got sort of sucked to what they were doing. And then all of a sudden, if it broke quick, we were, we were thinking, oh, we've got to defend now. But Clem would be keeping you alive to the, he would keep you on to, your toes, to the defensive situation. So yeah. when well the ball done. was further away from you, Clem was on your back. Yeah. Pick up, mark, make sure you give voice, yourself. Always voice, talk. more voice, more yeah. voice, more yeah. voice. If it wasn't him, it was Stephen. So you act to do what you're told. So that's what it was. Well done, Howard. Nice question. And thank you, Graham. Tom? Yeah. um, So, Robert, being one of the... um, a slightly younger um, fan than than Howard, um, my my main kind of uh, memories or or, or my kind of knowledge of the early 80s team has come from videos and and that kind of thing. Um, And (laughs) having got to know... Um, Steve, yourself and Mickey over the, over the past few years, it, it's quite clear how close you guys are and it was really clear to, it, it seems really apparent in the old videos how close you are on the pitch as well. There seems to be like a real team spirit around that early 80s team. Um, was that, is, is that how you remember it? Did you have that in any other team um, or, or, or was that quite unique to that kind of period at Spurs? Um, and was it something that was fostered by by Keith or or, or, or did, did that team spirit just kind of evolve naturally amongst you guys well i think no it, it, listen we're still mates now we, we we have you know we have lunches we have dinners we play golf together um you know what whatever we have a, i had a gala dinner for my charity all the boys came you know it's just such a lovely relationship that we have with each other you know sometimes you fall out and but you make up and that's and, and that's what makes a good team spirit you know after games Tom we used to come back from games away at Manchester and we'd get back to Cheshire and we'd go around the, the ball's head around the corner and we'd have a, a pint there we'd have a chat about the game and then you look at your watch and it's two o'clock in the morning and you think oh bloody hell I've got to go home and uh, you get your wife to come and pick you up and it was only Stevie who lived a long way away that you know he had he had to drive all that way but no, I left ball- at one yeah, you left at one and got over at two, <laughs> and we were still yeah. there. But no, no. But that's what it—that's what it's main, mainly about, you know. I had good teammates at Rangers when I played there. 
Um, we used to have dinners and go out, and but that didn't carry on. When you left, that didn't carry on. Where this one carries on, and you know, you, you, you see the boys, you meet them, you, you go into London for the Christmas parties, you know, you know just a Christmas drink and food, and but you, it's all togetherness. And, and we had that, that's why we were successful because we, we were good with each other. You know, if somebody said something, it wasn't malicious or anything like that. It was to help you become a better football player and, and to help the team. And, and everybody took it in that way. Robbo, Robbo, it was a very honest team. Yeah, very honest. Yeah. It was a very honest team. And it's no good being honest if you're never together. No, so you right. need to be together after a defeat away from home and you travel back. And, you know, you're divided up on the bus, aren't you? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Those those group things in the bull or wherever it was, it was really important that everyone accepted what, what everyone else was saying. And that's no good if you're all sort of fannying each other. It has yeah. to be to the point. And I did a podcast last week about man talk. Yeah. You've got to have man talk. And yeah. our team had man talk. Yeah. And it, you know, it might be me the worst player one week, someone else the next, but, yeah, we, but we, we could all take it. Yeah. We and could all I take think it. that's what it was, Stevie. I think, you know, nobody ever took it and thought, walked, walked away and thought, well, I don't fucking agree with that. You know, I thought I, I did all right. It mm. was taken and you got on with it. And the next week, it made you a better player. And, yeah. Robbo, have you got any plans for events in the future coming yeah, up when, got, when um, we get back to normality? Yeah, I'm trying to sort my golf day out, which is coming up. It should be April, but I think I'm going to push it back to May, the end of May, probably June. Um, got my gala dinner from a charity, which you, you came the other year. Um, you know, it's a really nice night. We have it at Tottenham Stadium. Um, it's not cheap. Well, that's... Um, they they do charge us a lot, but uh, that's good but, for people that have never been to a function there. Yeah, it's a really good night. I, I'm sure it you was. Enjoyed. It was wonderful, wonderful night. Yeah. And we had Harry Kane made an appearance, didn't he? And uh, yeah. you know, so it was a really, really good night. Um, so we do that. We you know we couldn't do anything last year. So the charity, you know, I'm working hard behind the scenes trying to raise money for them. And uh, no, but it's 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 going okay. And what's We're the charity okay. called, Robos? Centre Algarve, it's 24, it's called 24X7 Special Needs Children, and it's at Centre Algarve. Centre uh, Algarve. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Can you tell us actually how you signed for Tottenham? Yeah. So it was 1980. Uh, 1979, um, I was playing for Dorchester because I got released from Portsmouth having broke my ankle. Uh, went to Dorchester. I'm, you'll remember him, Steve. Goalkeeper there was, he was an ex-manager player at uh, Ipswich, Dave Best. Yes. yes. Right. So Bestie got in contact with me. Would I go and play for him? So I went there and I signed a contract. Well, I signed a non-contract. Um, within three or four months, Stuart Morgan, who was the chief scout at Tottenham now, well, he used to be, but he was a manager at Weymouth. Um, and he was my manager when I was playing in the youth team at Bournemouth. Stuart contacted me and asked me if I'd go to Weymouth, who were playing in the conference then, the National League now. Yeah. And uh, 
So I said, yeah, I would. I went down there on a Saturday. I told Dorchester what was happening. They weren't very happy because I, you know, I was playing well for them. Um, so I went down on the Saturday, walked into the director's lounge and three of the directors at Weymouth said, we don't want you here. We, we don't want no Dorchester players here. So you can bugger <laughs> off. So I went home that night and spoke to Dave Bess on the way home. They offered me more money and a, and a new, new two-year contract. So I signed that. And then two weeks later, Weymouth came back in. They sacked the three board men and came back in and had to pay 6,000 quid for me. And I went and signed for for Weymouth then. And uh, You're always causing problems, you. I do, mate. Yeah, I do. That's my, that is my middle name, Steve. Um, so with that, I, I was playing well for Dorchester, uh, for Weymouth. I, I went there as a centre forward. Um, <laughs> scored my first game we played. So I was working in a ship in an oil refinery, doing the uh, as a pipe fitter. And on a Friday, I had to leave at nine o'clock in the morning, drive to Dorchester, pick the coach up from Weymouth. It was our first game. They didn't tell me this was Barrow away. So Weymouth to Barrow is like nice. the end of the earth. Well, it took us nine and a half hours to get there. Um, the traffic was horrendous. So we got there, we had something to eat, went to bed. We won one nil. I scored the winning goal. Brilliant. But on my debut, um, came back. I got back into Dorchester at quarter past four in the morning. And I had to be at work at half past six. So I went straight to work <laughs> in this oil refinery and done my Sunday shift. And then I got home and then went to bed. So with that, after a few weeks playing for Weymouth, Stuart asked me to play midfield. So I went back into midfield and uh, I was scoring goals. I was tackling and, and I was getting some good rave reports. And Ron Atkinson contacted me and asked me if I'd go to well, the first team was Oxford United, but I said no. And then Ron Atkinson at West Brom contacted the club and he spoke to me and I went up and I was going up to, to meet him. And uh, I went up to meet him and uh, took my wife with me. And so we're, we're, we're in there and we're talking and we went out and looked at houses. and everything. So the next day he said, well, come back the next day. We'll have another chat and you know, we'll show you around a bit more and we'll show you what, you know, what, what the training's like. And while I was in there, it was about two o'clock in the afternoon. We had a, Stuart Morgan said to me that um, Tottenham had made a bid. And I actually had the pen in my hand signing the contract. And I dropped the pen and I said to Ron Axon, oh, I'd like to go and talk to Tottenham. So he went, he wasn't very happy. He locked the door actually. And he <laughs> said, no, you're going, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're staying here. And I said to him, I promised him that I would ring him. As soon as I spoke to Keith, you know, the manager at Tottenham, I would ring him and make a decision from there. So, but when I got to Tottenham, Bill Nicholson pulled me and Bill told me the story how he came and watched me. And Bill said he went to Swindon to watch a game. The game was postponed because they'd had floods. 
and Bill went by train and he went on the station and there was this lad on the station and he noticed Bill and he got chatting to him. He said, well, what are you doing? He said, oh, we're looking for a midfield player. He said, well, get yourself down to Weymouth today. This is at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday and we're playing at home, Weymouth. And Bill got on a train to Bristol and got a taxi from Bristol to Weymouth and watched half the game and I scored a 35 yarder into the bottom corner and um, I was playing okay and I was, I was just full of buzz, like buzz at the time and uh, he went home and, and then that's when Tottenham made the bid on the following Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday and uh, so I came out of Ron Axon's office, said to the wife, we're going to London tonight we went to London. I met all the boys on the Friday. We had a look around on the Thursday with Peter Day. Met the boys on the Friday. And we, we was in the gym, Stevie, and uh, upstairs playing in the ball court. Yeah. And I remember running around that ball court, never touched the ball for an hour and a bit. <laughs> and come out, I've never sweated so much in all my life. I never touched the ball. <laughs> Peter Shreves came up to me and I sat down and he went, you all right? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went, Keith, like, see, and I thought, oh, shit. He's obviously not happy with what he saw. <laughs> so I went and met Keith, and Keith made me, like, the offer. He offered me £185 a week and uh, £4,000 signing on. And I said, right, OK. I said, the problem is, Keith, I'm on £220 at Weymouth. <laughs> and he went, well, you're coming to a big club, and you, you prove and you'll get your rice. I said, okay. So I have to now go home. Well, but the wife came back, Anne came back. We got on a train back and I said to Keith, look, I'll make the decision. I said, it's going to be good. I said, but I need to talk to the wife. I said, because, you know, we have, we have to do, I have to do it properly. So we sat next to each, well, she sat opposite me on the train. So I said, oh, what do you think then? I said, uh, Tottenham, lovely, isn't it? She said, oh, I'd, I'd rather go to West Brom. I went, mean, you're joking, are you? <laughs> so we had this discussion for an hour and a bit. And so we're coming into Southampton and she's saying, yeah, but West Brom's a lovely people, really friendly. She said, like, I said, yeah, but it, it'd be fine, honestly. Just trust me. She said, well, I'd rather go to West Brom. I said, yeah, but, Anne, you're not playing. I'm playing, so we're going to Tottenham. And uh, I got off the train. I rang Keith and told Keith. Keith said, well, bring your passport on the Sunday. We're going to Austria. And uh, I had to ring Ron Atkinson, didn't I? And so, oh, oh, dear. So, so I picked the phone up and the secretary comes on. She says, oh, hello. I said, is Ron there, please? It's Graham Roberts. Oh, hello, Graham. How's your lovely wife? Um, <laughs> you know, like everybody's looking forward. We're, we got the press coming on Monday morning. The, the chairman's coming back from holiday. Everybody wants to meet you, you and your lovely wife. I said, is, is Ron there, please? She said, yeah, I'll get him for you. But how, how is your lovely wife? She's nice. I said, yeah, she's fine. She's lovely. I said, uh, is Ron there? She said, yeah, I'll put you through. So he put me through and Ron X and Peter phone up. Hello? I said, Ron, it's Graham Roberts. I signed for Tottenham. Bye. Put the phone down. <laughs> he never spoke to me ever again. Did he not? No, never, ever. Never, ever. I've seen him many a time. He just totally blanks me. And, and of course, no regrets. 
no, how can you have regrets with the, you know, yeah. I played, I knew, you know, at that time, West Brom had a great, great side. Yeah. Um, Brian Robson, Sil Regis, Laurie Cunningham. And, but I, I saw it, my, my own, that Tottenham was a far, far bigger club. Um, I thought if I worked hard enough, I'd get a chance. Um, and everybody was, you know, to me, they were, you know, nobody treated you any differently. You know, they when you when I was in the train, I know I was running around like an Edda's chicken, but but you know, I was treated fairly and 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 so I just it, in my in my guts it told me to go to Tottenham and I made the right decision. The environment is very important. Yeah. If yeah. if you feel good and no one can can actually describe how you feel good. Right. But I, I had it. I could have, I could have joined Arsenal as a schoolboy, Chelsea, whoever. But when I went to those clubs, I never felt warm. When yeah. I was at Tottenham training as a schoolboy, I felt warm. Yeah, yeah. And that, that is about the the environment there, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I gotta say, excuse my language, I absolutely shit myself in that dressing room. When okay, <laughs> you're sitting there, and you've got you, you've got. Glenn Oddle, you've got Ozzy Ardiles, Ricky Velia, Stevie Archibald, Garth Cook, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> and what age were you then? I was 21. 21, yeah. So, just turned 21. So. And sorry to jump in, chaps. Um, yeah. What do you think you gained by joining a club at 21, whereas people like myself... Yeah, joined at fifteen. I think Stevie, that having three knockbacks from first of all Southampton, and you know I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. But Southampton, then going to Bournemouth with Harry Redknapp and scoring fifty nine goals in one season for Harry at centre forward in the youth league, mm. and then getting released at the end of that season was a right kick in the nuts and then going to Portsmouth and getting like the man who died today in St. John offered me a contract and I was going to sign the contract and he got sacked two days later and then Jimmy Dickinson remember Jimmy Dickinson he took, he took over um, and we had a friendly against um, Aldershot and Joe Joplin, who played for Aldershot, I, I came on sub at half time. I lasted four and a half minutes. He came over and he just took me out of the game and broke my ankle. And Jimmy Dickinson took the contract away and said, Oh, we're not going to offer you that contract. So having three knockbacks, I think, yeah. makes you quite strong. And yeah. when I got to play for Weymouth and played in that National League and the Conference League, it made me think, yeah, I can play at higher level, but yeah. I need I need to get a chance. And I was fortunate. Bill came and watched me in that season. I only went there for six months. Stuart Morgan said when he signed me, you'll only be here for six months. You'll be sold after that. Brilliant. Um, so that's, even, that's good confidence in you. Yeah, yeah. And so he let me play the way I wanted to play. I, you know, I scored goals. I, I worked hard for him and and when you get given that chance you want this like I got this was my fourth chance 
but I wanted to take it and I wasn't going to let anything stop me. And yeah. yeah, so it was a good upbringing. Um, the knockbacks hurt at the time, but I think you just have to believe in what you've got. And if you do that, you can have a great mentality of it and you can move on. Sure. Howard, last question, if you've got one. Yeah, what's your view of the current current squad, uh, Jose? <laughs> well, I did I did a, a, a for a girl yesterday on a podcast for her, and she they asked me about the, the defence, and I said if I could coach, um, my advice to Eric Dyer in particularly would be, don't play slowly. When you get the ball. If you can run 10 yards with the ball, go quickly because that will release somebody on the pitch. It will release a midfield player. If you run it as player, what's that, that midfield? But what Eric Dyer does, everybody tells me, oh, he had 247 touches of the ball. I said, yeah, but 243 of them were back to the goalie in the centre half. So he, he slows the game down. And he takes the, he takes the tempo away from our away team. From the game. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. Yeah, and and, Steve, and we're a team. Thing. We're a team that plays better with tempo. Yeah. What did you? I remember you telling me when I first went centre half. You said, when I played with Maxi, you went expect Maxi to lose the ball in the air. If you go back, drop off five yards. If he heads it, you can run back up five yards. Absolutely. But if you don't. You're chasing. Yeah. You're chasing all the time. So you're always under pressure to to to, to make that tackle or to, to, to give away a foul. Just in case. Just in case. I, so I think I they, think I, how they're I've, not they're not taught. They're not taught that because you see it every game. Sanchez will go up and head the ball, nobody covering it. And you've talking thinking, talking to Howard earlier. I think he was going to ask you if we had enough time, but we haven't. He was going to ask you about your combination with Maxi. Paul Miller. Yeah. The clue to your that combination was that you were both positive to go and challenge the ball. Yeah. If one's positive, the other one can be positive behind him. Yeah. In a different way. Right, yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. It's the ones who go. Yeah, uh, uh, and therefore, you on the the other man as that you don't know whether to do, go or not. So I, I think I, I, they've got Ledley King there, and I love Ledley. I think he's a lovely lad and all that. But surely somebody, their coaches, must be coaching some defensive things because we get we get done from set pieces. We give silly penalties away by silly tackles. You know, are they not watching the videos and saying? Don't do that. You know, and you're going up to head a ball, cover him. If he heads the ball, get up quickly as you can. Done. I posed the question in the last podcast, is there enough man talk? And although I wasn't actually aiming it at Tottenham, no, no. I'm aiming it at today's football. Yeah. Is there enough man talk about these things? You know, you can coach, of course, that, that's yep. fine. But actually, someone, it, it sometimes takes someone nailing you yep. about a situation for you to think, oh, I don't well, want that again. Yep, yep. And, um, but I, I think they, they're frightened now, Stevie, because they say, well, 
who are you telling me? You know, I'm on, I'm on, and I'm, I'm sure they don't, but it comes across to say, well, I'm on hundred grand a week. You can't talk to me like that. I know what I'm doing. Well, you don't because you keep giving the same things away. And I think not, it come. I think it comes down to your influences. Yeah. If the people surrounding you are telling you all the time that you are the best player, or you, it wasn't your fault that we lost. You know, you've either got to tell yourself the reality of how of how yeah. you think you've done, but be realistic. Yeah. Or someone has got to be realistic with you. Yeah. To tell you, actually, tell you how well you've done as well. Yeah. But. 100%. but 100%. So but you, you have a look at the goal against West Ham. The first goal. It's an in-sweet. Nobody's stopped the cross. That's what we don't do. We let people just cross the ball now. Oh, they'll deal with it. Well, they're not, they're not dealing with it. So stop the cross. Yeah. It was, Dyer, like, the, it was like the Liverpool the, goal over again, wasn't it? Well, it was. It was exactly yeah. the same. All right. So you're, you're thinking, well, if that was Ray Clements, I think I would have lost another two teeth. And probably had two cuts in my mouth or in my head because he would have just come through and smashed it. So, yes, I'm not blaming Lloris. What I'm saying is there's nobody taking responsibility. And that's the problem we've got. We haven't got a leader back there. And Lloris is captain, but he's obviously, he's not the one that's dictating. You know, because first thing, you stop the cross, it's not a goal. But once a cross comes in, your centre arse have to deal, deal with it. it. Somebody to, deal with it. You've got to deal with it. And that's what we're not doing. Graham, listen, as great as it is to talk to you, we've got to wrap this up time-wise. So thank you very much. Um, for you listening, we're going to keep Graham here. And we're going to go into a second stage of this talk. And the main talk of that will be about the famous UEFA Cup win against Anderlecht, where Graham played such a major role, um, but also played a role in the semi-final uh, victory over two legs against Hadjik Split. And the, the tie-up with that is because we're playing another Croatian team in um, Zagreb. So um, thank you all for listening. Um, good luck to our boys against Fulham. No easy games, and Fulham are definitely improving. Um, Graham mentioned his name, Ian St. John, and uh, I think we should all, you know, okay, not a Tottenham person, but we don't like losing good people. So rest in peace, Ian. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. And come on, you Spurs. Mm -hmm.